0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18 plus. Today's guest uh, worked as an electronics technician on Nightline with Ted Koppel. Many of you will remember the very popular program. With Ted Koppel. Nightline was with us for many years. Hello, everyone. My name is Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk and reintroducing you to Keith Morgan. Now, you may recognize the name because we had Keith on uh, just a little while ago talking about his experiences in the world of radio, television, and film. But today he's here to talk to us about something very, very different. Keith Morgan. Welcome back to Mind Talk. Thank you. Thank you. Keith, you heard me introduce you as uh, an electronics technician on Nightline with Ted Koppel. For those who aren't familiar with that program, give us a thumbnail sketch of that program and how that program really changed your life and the lives of so many.
0: Um, Well, Nightline started out when the Iran uh, hostage crisis, when uh, the hostages were being held. uh, They started a show where Ted was doing a a countdown of the number of days that had passed uh, while the the hostages were being held during the uh, Jimmy Carter administration. Uh, That eventually turned into Nightline. And continued uh, nightly starting around, uh, I think it was uh, 11.35 and going to like one, 1.05 in the morning. But, <clears throat>
1: and what network was Ted Koppel with?
0: He was with ABC. Okay. Um, and I met Ted uh, after I had started working at ABC in 1982. And Ted and I got to be really good friends. Ted used to drop me off at my car after the show because I would park like four or five blocks away from the bureau and he would drop me off and uh, we'd talk about stuff. And Ted got to know me pretty well and uh, I tell him about things that uh, technologies that were coming and things like that, and he kind of, you know, say, I, uh, I don't think so. And the one that I remember best is I said, Ted, I think the the uh, tobacco industry has a conspiracy going, and he says, oh, Keith, do you really think the tobacco companies have a conspiracy going? And when the head, the top head of one of the industries blew the whistle, then yeah, everybody realized they just did have a conspiracy going, but the uh, one of the things was, um, Nightline did a show in September 1988 on, and I didn't even know they were doing a show about Mars, and I, I used to talk to one of the writers, Steven Steinberg, and I was saying, "Hey, here's this tabloid article that says that we received radio signals from Mars in 1924, and it was reported on in the New York Times and Scientific America," and he said. I don't believe that. And I said, if I go to the library and I find these articles, will you look at this with a more open mind? And he says, sure, yeah, okay. And I go to the library, and I look through all of this microfish, which is microfilm for those who are too far behind. And film is the <laughs> old-style recording of uh, video. Or, <laughs> And I'm reading the New York Times, 1924, starting in January and they're talking about they're gonna be listening in for signals for for Mars, and Calvin Coolidge asked for radio silence, and there weren't those many radios back then, so they could listen in for these signals. And as I'm going further down, February, March, April, I'm reading these articles, and they had asked Charles Francis Jenkins, who I discovered later was uh, one of the inventors of the first mechanical television, and the video signals, the vertical sync, horizontal sync, and blanking that we use in TV to this day, they're now digital, he used to synchronize his mechanical television and they had asked him if he would save these signals onto his brand new device called the radio photoscopic, blah, 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 blah blah device. And he was scanning these signals onto a six inch wide film. Anyway, six
1: inch. Why?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I get to August 28th, 1924 and I find the article where he's quoted saying, We don't think these signals have anything to do with Mars. Quite likely, it's heterodyning or interference of radio signals, which is completely random. But then he goes on to say, as for the image of a crudely drawn man's face that appears at intervals roughly every half hour, it's a freak, something we can't explain. So now, 1924, we're receiving radio signals from Mars that came in the form of dots and dashes. They thought it was Morse code. And I'm like, how the heck did Morse get to Mars to teach the Martians <laughs> Morse code? Good question. But that, yeah, but that was their thinking. But then I'm going, yeah. but there was no computers. But it could be ones and zeros. And here is a profile of a face showing up every half hour on this six-inch wide film. And it kept repeating at those intervals. Now, same face. like 19- – yeah, same, same pattern. Okay. Now, the only person that could have pulled this off would have been Tesla, because <laughs> Tesla had suggested that we should transmit an fa- uh, image of a face into space. And I get these wannabe geniuses saying, oh, you can't transmit an image of a face into space unless you know the person's terminal width and height. And uh, that tells me right there, they don't know the first darn thing about television. Okay. okay? because synchronous and asynchronous signals, they, a synchronous signal is steady, it stays in the same place. A non-synchronous signal in relationship to it drifts through. And it's like that old adage, which is more accurate, a clock that runs fast or a clock that's stopped? Obviously the clock that stopped because it's at least right twice a day. Okay. You get that, right? Okay. If If it stopped at midnight and 12 noon, (laughs) <laughs> at those points in time, it's correct. <laughs> you don't know it's correct, but it's least correct. Okay. Well, when it comes to television signals, when that signal is not locked, on, drifts through, at some point in time, it's going to lock in, and you're going to see it. Then it's going to unlock and start drifting through the picture. And at whatever interval that it's drifting through, it may take a half hour. It will come back, lock into place, then drift out again. So if I want to send you an image. If I send you a thousand, if, I mean, if I send you a million pictures and your screen resolution is 1024 by 768, which we call high definition today, that 1024 by 1024 image, because each image would have a resolution in this transmission, a one by one, two by two, three by three, all the way up to a million by a million pixels, that 1024 by 1024 picture Eventually, it will start on that left side of the screen and start to draw out to the right. And then it would continue to repeat all the way down the screen until it gets to year 768 lines. And then you'll see the picture. And then it'll scroll up, completing the rest of that 1,024 lines. But then, as soon as it finishes that last line, it's going to be garbage again. And you won't be able to make out anything until it drifts back. The place and that pixel starts on that first line again and it starts to dry out now the good thing about this is it doesn't matter whether you're scanning left to right right to left top to bottom top to bottom right to left left whatever the picture will be either upside down inverted um even if you're scanning sideways the picture will be tilted sideways but it will always match your resolution of what you're scanning okay so every half hour if somebody's transmitting an, uh, a set of images with various resolutions you're one of them's going to lock in and for that six inch wide film that particular image of that profile of the face showed up again and again and again every half hour hmm. but they couldn't figure it out now that was 1924 we get to mars in 1976 and we take over with 60,000 photographs of the surface of Mars. And what's staring up at us? A face.
1: The same image?
0: No, this was a head-on, where, as on the six-inch-wide film, it was a profile. Okay. Now, since that time, I've come across what's called the Badlands Guardian. That is a profile. And if anybody listening... If you open your browser and you go Google or Yahoo or whatever and you put in Badlands Guardian, go look at that image. That is a profile of a face, okay?
1: Okay, and you're and saying Badlands Guardian.
0: On Mars, we have the image of a face, but it's a, it's a head-on on one side of it. The other side was in shadow. So what, looking at it, the left side looking at it was the side that got our attention, The right side was in deep shadow, so we couldn't see any detail in that. And most people are expecting to see two eyes and nose and mouth looking straight on. The Badlands Guardian is in Alberta, Canada. This is a profile of a Native American's face. The thing is, they're saying, oh, this is just a natural formation. Problem is, there's too many details that reek of artificiality. First of all, it's got a neck. Second of all, it's got a shoulder that comes out to our right. Third, it's got two parallel ridges that come down that shoulder. The one closest to the neck, if you follow it all the way down, curves up under his neck or under his chin. Okay, He's wearing a vest. You look at his eye. He's got an eyelid. There's too many details that say this is artificial. Now, the reason they don't accept it is because this thing is the size of the face on Mars. The face on, the face on Mars, if people don't know it, is a mile and a half from head to chin, cheek to cheek. Okay? Here we got an artific- a face on Mars. We got a face here on the Earth that you can't see except from satellite photos. And you notice this immediately because as soon as I show it to people, they go, what is that? I showed it to Eric Von Dannegan, the uh, author of The Chariots of the Gods. And He went. Where is this? What is this? Because he didn't know about it. And Eric has been touting that you know we have been visited by an extraterrestrial civilizations that were technologically more advanced than we were, and we looked at these guys as gods. And. When he saw that, he was really excited about it because he didn't know about it.
1: So let me interrupt you because you have just used a word, as you know, that many people are now saying, oh, yeah, right, extraterrestrial.
0: Yeah. Well, you guys grow up, okay? <laughs> if you were looking out in the future, you would know we're about to come across some serious stuff. We have reached a technological point where we have to make that evolutionary jump. These guys in the military, yes, they have the TR-3B and other craft that can traverse between the stars, but they're not going to tell you. You think there's going to be disclosure. The military is not going to let the government or anybody tell you that there are extraterrestrials out there because as soon as you know, they can't play with their extraterrestrial toys anymore behind your back and you're not going to you're not going to get this so you have to look at things like the badlands guardian who built that gobekli tepe another stonehenge like settle, settlement but there were dozens of these things in this one area buried under dirt which they're now excavating finding these things are 12,000 years old who built this stuff who put the reliefs on these stones at gobekli tepe all right who built puma punka look at this stuff okay we didn't build that stuff we didn't build the pyramids we think the pyramids are primitive that is more advanced civilizations because as we start to get in tune with nature we start to realize hey start to use the elements that nature gives us as our building blocks yeah we got steel we got plastic we got all of this But once we get more advanced, we become more in tune with nature, and we start to get back to using the things that are provided with us because now we understand how nature works. And we still don't know that. We've got rules, and they say, oh, you're violating this rule and that rule. No, you made up the rules. Okay? Nature didn't. So we have to learn what nature is trying to tell us. That's what Cydonia is all about, the face on Mars. It got our attention. Now, the reason I was talking about the Nightline, let me get back to that because this is a long story. but I'm going to cut it short. When I brought these articles back talking about how we received the signals from Mars, Steve Steinberg said, well, we can use these in Thursday's show. And I'm like, what's Thursday's show about? It's about Mars. I ended up giving copies to the producer for Nightline, to Ted Koppel, uh, all of these guys. Ted used all of that information about receiving the signals in the opening of the show. I had Richard C. Hoagland's book, The Monuments of Mars, The City on the Edge of Forever, which I am in the second edition, third edition. There's a dark mission book and a whole bunch of Graham Hancock's The Mars Mystery. But never mind. <laughs> we're, <clears throat> we're looking at this. Ted asked Thomas Paine, ex-administrator of NASA, what about this face? And he puts up the image of the face from Hoagland's book. And Ted uh, Thomas Paine says – oh, we think that's a trick of light and shadow, a wind-blown anomaly. Then Ted puts up the five-sided pyramid. and Yes, people, there's a five-sided pyramid sitting in Sidonia along with the face, and it looks like the Chrysler symbol, the, the Pentagon with the star in the middle. That's what it looks like. All right. And Thomas Paine said, oh, we think that's a wind-blown anomaly too. Just <laughs> and he kind of chuckles it off. And that was the first time that had ever been shown on national television. And then Ted gave Richard Hoagland's book credit for where the pictures came from. Then I wrote a letter to Hoagland through his publisher, because I didn't know where he was, telling him Ted gave his book credit on the air. Hoagland calls me. He tells me that was the first time he went to bed early. He normally watches nightline. <laughs> and then he tells me that he's been invited out the Goddard Space Flight Center to speak to the scientists and engineers about what they had discovered about the face and the other objects in this area. And he said, but there was a rumor that NASA was trying to pull the rug out from under it. So I said, let me tell a producer. So I tell this producer, Leo Meidlinger. And Leo said, keep me informed, because he wanted to know what was, you know, as it progressed. So Hoagland's people sent out a press release announcing this briefing. Reporters started calling NASA. NASA then calls Hoagland's people, says, oh, don't worry. It's still on. Everything's fine. Hoagland tells me, I tell Leo, Leo, get the camera crew assigned to be out there that day that used to be my day off was mondays so hoagland invited me out i go out to goddard i'm sitting in a packed auditorium scientists and engineers standing around the walls and i'm wondering where's my camera crew there was no cameras there except for two non-professional cameras cameras videotaping this. now i'm thinking maybe abc thought it was too stupid to send a crew for because maybe they thought this was ridiculous I get home, turn the TV on, and Dan Rather comes up and says, today, NASA held a briefing about Mars. And I'm going, wait a minute. There was no camera crew there. What am I looking at? NASA sent out a press release that very day announcing a briefing about Mars at the National Press Club. So everybody who was supposed to go out to Goddard in Greenbelt turned around and went down to the National Press Club, including my camera crew. But sitting out there, I'm watching Hoagland, Earl Torn, and Dr. Mark Carlotto talk about what they had discovered. Dr. Carlotto works for TAS. They do Landsat satellite spot imaging. He used the algorithms to clean up that raw data photo. He orthographically corrected it, so now things were spaced the way they are supposed to. He gave me a copy of that picture. Earl Torn, cartographer, G with Defense Mapping Agency. He did the math on the five-sided pyramid. He discovered as you divided the angles within one another, they worked out to know mathematical constants to three decimal places. Square root of two, square root of three, square root of five, e divided by pi, e divided by the square root of five, et cetera, et cetera. And regardless of how you did it, three decimal places. And it kept repeating over and over again. So now, I realize NASA has manipulated the media. I take Dr. Carlotto's picture Put it in the copy machine, because I wrote a letter to Burke, Murphy, and Arledge. Rune Arledge was head of ABC News. Okay. Burke was vice president and vice president of Cap City's ABC. And I told him, we got duped. Rune Arledge was the only one that wrote back to me saying, hey, we'll keep an eye on this for a future story. Anyway, when I put this copy in, the, um, this picture in the copy machine, the copy came out black and white. About multiple gray, and I'm looking at this and I'm going, I can't use this. But then I notice that all of the pyramidal structures, yeah, and they're pyramids even though they're oval. They got this 52 degree angle on them, so they shoot the light back up the apex regardless of the angle that hits them. They're standing out as white objects, and I see them starting out from around this bigger pyramid structure. And if I played connect the dots, I had this perfect one third to a half a circle. Then I measured the distance between these guys, and they're spaced exponentially. For those that don't know what exponentially means, it means they're doubling in their spacing. The distance between the first and second doubles between the second and third. Second and third doubles between the third and the fourth. But the distance between the fourth and fifth didn't double. But if you skipped it and went to the sixth, it was perfectly double the distance between the third and fourth. And then if you went through a line from the sixth through the fourth and continued with equal distance, you came to a nest, the center of another one. You connect those three. You had a ray across the curve. This is basic high school geometry.
1: And so what does all this mean to those of us um, who, who just got lost in some of your descriptions?
0: Okay. Bottom line, now what does I'm this mean? i break it down. Bottom line, nature can make things in a curve. As Travis said on uh, Ancient Aliens, you can curve anything. If you curve the you know, Egyptian pyramids... And you take that curve and you continue it out, it creates a Fibonacci spiral, which spirals out into an empty spot in the desert. But when you take something and you space them exponentially, and they double in their spacing, nature doesn't do that. Okay. Okay? It can't do that. That reeks of artificiality. When you find the ray across the curve, that is geometry and it's starting to shout, artificial. Now, I show this to Earl Torn. He's a cartographer, geomorphologist with Defense Mapping Agency. He looks at this. He wants to know what curve this could be. So he tries the logarithmic function of E. E is 2.67 something something. It's reciprocating like pi. He takes the logarithmic function of E graph because E shows up again and again and again and again throughout this Sidonia complex. He laid it down over the area. And not only was the curve there, but the X and Y axis to plot the curve were plotted in these mounds.
1: So, uh, and I ask you this in part because we're really running low on time. Again, for the layperson, what does this mean,
0: the the fact of this curve? The fact that you have these objects that are spaced exponentially and that Earl found the X and Y axis and the Y-axis goes through two mounds in the city square, through another bump on the corner of the big pyramid that the curve starts out from around, and right up to the center of that five-sided pyramid. The odds that all of these things align that way naturally goes out the door. Okay. It's called probability. Okay. If you, <clears throat> probability is if you have a coin and you flip that coin ten times, on a good day you're going to have five heads, five tails, right? On a really, really bad day, you may have one head. Nine tails or one tail and nine heads. But that's a really, really awful day. If you do not get any heads or any tails, and you get all heads and all tails, ten flips, what probability is telling you is that the game is rigged. Okay. It's a single headed or tailed coin, and you're that's why you don't get anything else. When it comes down to Sidonia. Badlands Guardian, and all these other structures, especially with Sidonia, we have flipped that coin 20 times, and we have not gotten the other side. What does that tell you? The game is rigged. It means that there's no way nature put all of these things together like that. Okay. When NASA took a high-res shot across the big pyramid that the curve starts out from around, they didn't know about it. All Hoagland said in his book was, we're looking at the curve running down the side of that big pyramid are these humps or ridges. One comes down, goes out, connects to the first mound. Another one comes down, another section of that big pyramid goes out, connects to the second mound. And the third one comes down and goes over and connects to the third mound. Nature doesn't do that either. So here we have all these coincidences and you can't have those many because it means that obviously it's artificial. When these European space agencies took a better picture of the face, now you can see the shadow that was in uh, the side that was in shadow, but they put it out upside down. Here's these geniuses, and they're going to put out a picture upside down, knowing that this thing is oriented to north, offset to north by 19.5 degrees. Bad, Badlands Guardian is pointed directly north here on the Earth. It tells us that the objects in Sidonia, next to the face, are artificial, meaning that. Someone had to build them. Nature didn't do this. Um, I was explaining about the face that the European Space Agency took a better picture of it, but they published it out uh, uh, upside down and said, look, uh, see, there's nothing there. So now NASA had to play catch-up. So they took a better picture, and you could see the other side of the face again, but they put it out upside down as well. And you get two rocket science organizations putting out a picture upside down. (laughs) Obviously, they're trying to hide something. You rotate it around, you look at it when it's oriented correctly, and the side that we couldn't see now has details that just blow the face out of the water by itself, okay? The other half of the face is not a head on. It's a profile of a face. You're looking at it from the side. And right where there should be an ear, there's a ridge that makes a V, upside down V formation, Right there where ear should be, there's an eye it 's elongated, but it 's still there. The neck comes down with a curvature representing where the collarbone should be. chin comes down, all right, your hairline across the top there's two main details you're looking at a profile and a head on combined into one artifact, okay there's an image of a lion's face because there's a broad nose. In the upper left-hand quadrant, this is art on a scale that we never conceived. It's been made by somebody who's way more advanced than we are.
1: Keith, you have said, and I am now quoting you, we are not alone and never were, and the history of this planet is not what we have been told. We will know beyond a doubt between 2022 and 2032. Do you still stand by that?
0: still stand by it, because there's somebody buried in that face, and probably 98% of your listening audience knows the name of this guy, and they don't even know they know the name of this guy on one or two levels. And I had read the Lost Book of Inki, which is a, a translation of these cuneiform tablets that Zachariah Ditchin and his professor translated. They found millions of these cuneiform tablets in Samaria also known as Mesopotamia, also known as Iraq. Um, 14 of these tablets tell a history of this planet starting 450,000 years ago. And 450,000 years ago, Mars had rivers and lakes. What devastated that planet in that short period of time to the point where the rivers and lakes went underground or disappeared? We're getting this story dictated to a human scribe by an an unlucky god, Inky. Now, these guys were seen as gods because they could fly. They had tanks. They had helicopters. They had planes. When we were in World War II, and you could go to YouTube and look this up, there's a, a film footage of pilots that landed on an island where it was a tribal culture. And this tribal culture built a full-scale stick-and-straw replica of the planes that these guys were flying. And in the film footage, the plane is flying over this precipice where these, the tribal culture is there next to their replica, and they're on their knees bowing to the plane that flies overhead. Any primitive society that doesn't understand the technology would see any kind of technology as being godlike. And that's what happened 450,000 years ago. They came here, they built all of this stuff that the Mayan and Inca inherited, and they tried to improve on it, but you can see the difference in the architecture.
1: Keith, how does one find out more about what you're teaching us today? Is there um, a website, or there, where does one go?
0: There's plenty of websites out there. Uh, but if you want to know the history of this planet, get The Lost Book of Inky by Zachariah Sitchin. When I'd ask Sisson a question, he'd say, Read the book, read the book. Well, you got like five books out, which one? <laughs> well, he put out the correct book, which was the Lost Book of Inky just before he passed away. That book is the translation, not his interpretation. And when you read it, it's like reading Yoda speaking, but everything unfolds. Every answer that is a question in the Bible. Where did Cain and Abel get wives from? Well, Cain and Abel are not the children of the first, uh, first humans. They're the children of the first civilized humans. The person is buried on Mars. He's, his name is Allelu. And people go, I said, do you recognize that name? They go, no. I saw his name up on a freaking billboard, and that's what got my attention. And I'm going, why is his name on a billboard? And I look around my rearview mirror to see the rest of it, and then it made sense. Then I got confirmation from the last I have ever thought I would get confirmation, which is the Bible Museum in February of last year, and my wife comes up behind me, and I'm looking at the cuneiform tablets at the Bible Museum, and she says, they're talking about your guy. And I said, what guy? Allelu. Where? Over there. And I go into these overhead speakers, and I hear this guy speaking Hebrew, Arabic. I don't know what he's saying, but our names say the same in any language. I hear yada, 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 hallelujah yada, 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 And then the last, based on a rhythm and cadence, sound like a prayer, but I can't prove it, is yada, 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 yada. And then it ends with hallelujah. So what did I see on that billboard? Hallelujah. Okay. Spelled with an A, not an H. We morphed it into hallelujah. Okay. But I'm sitting here going, okay, so now take a off of Alalu's name. In other words, remove the lu. What do you get? Allah. And I'm sitting here going, well, that's the Muslim God. So all of these religions have been arguing and fussing and fighting about the same darn thing, and they don't realize it. There was a flood, but it wasn't because it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights because of the huge tsunami that was created because of the celestial event, which caused the entire continental ice to fall into the ocean, creating a tsunami that they could see from space that encompassed the entire planet. And there's a relief from Samaria that I saw before I even knew this, showing the Earth, and these people with Egyptian headdress looking at the Earth from a distance, and around the circumference is this huge curl. And I'm going, what the heck am I looking at? Now I know. That was the Anunnaki in space looking at the Earth from a distance watching this tsunami encompass the entire planet So, because they the, were warned that this was going to happen.
1: The Lost yeah. Book of Inki.
0: E N K I. E yep. N
1: K I is okay. Terrific, Keith. We gotta go, but I do thank you so much for sharing your discoveries and and clearly your energy and your devotion to continually searching and looking ahead. Thank you so much.
0: All right,
1: folks. Thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. MindTalk is brought to you daily as an educational public service. It is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional. MindTalk is produced by Jim Brown and 26x2 Communications. MindTalk is available to you on demand by going to mindtalk.org. That's M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. And there you will find a listing of all the other platforms where you can access MindTalk as well. Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Auto Parts.